This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live with around 90 rescue animals? Or have you ever wondered what it's like to leave a corporate career and take a chance and set up a dog training business? Or have you ever wondered what it's like to run a big dog training academy covering several counties with five trainers and behaviourists and two apprentices while having over 90 rescue animals and running a business and keeping ahead of all of the changes on social media and doing all of the other things that we have to do and having a behaviourist business and all those things. Well, if you have, (laughs) you are going to love this episode with Zoe Willingham. Zoe has been a client of mine for coming up to two years now, and she is just incredible. She is a total powerhouse. She's left the corporate world. And when you listen to her, like she's just, you know, the stuff that she did there was amazing. And she's taken everything that she knew from her corporate background and worked into her fabulous pet business, Dog Training Academy, behaviorist business and she's got lots of other irons in the fire as well this lady never stops she never sleeps and i think you're going to love this episode so i'm going to hand you over to zoe now it's such a fascinating chat zoe is a real powerhouse and what i love is right at the end even though she's got such a crazy life she says if anyone wants to reach out and chat about anything i've talked about today i'm always happy to chat so she's just such a lovely lady and i know you're going to love this episode i'm handing over now to zoe and i hope you enjoy it as much as i enjoyed chatting to her So hi Zoe, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do in your pet business? Well, pet businesses, you've got quite a few things going on, haven't you? Yeah, hi Rachel, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate that. So um, yeah, so I'm Zoe Willingham and I'm based over in Suffolk and I've got a couple of businesses. Um, One of them is a behavioural business, which is looking after dogs that have got problem behaviours and that's um, Zoe Willingham Dog Behaviourist under my name. And then I've also got Best Behaviour Dog Training, uh, which is a dog training company that's been built up over a number of years and we cover Suffolk and Essex at the moment and we're expanding further as we get on. But um, behind the scenes, a bit about me, um, I'm just a mad, crazy pet rescuer um, who's got loads and loads of animals um, and that kind of forms part of my story really as to how I've kind of become um, the person I'm today and doing what I'm doing today really so yeah so that's a little me in a nutshell (laughs) brilliant okay so um I will go back to you about the many animals that you have um but before we do that because it's a brilliant story can you tell us a bit about like what you did before you had your dog training business and your behaviorist business yeah sure so it's a bit of a strange background really and um years and years ago I did start working within the animal sector but it was more agricultural based so when I was 13 I got a job at our school farm and that really got me interested in agriculture so I ended up doing animal science as a degree I won't go for my whole history because it is a bit boring um but basically from there just cut forward uh, a bit I, I accidentally got into sales and marketing and 
basically. That then drove me into sales and marketing in animal-related businesses like pet food and pharmaceuticals and so on. And some are totally unrelated. Um, so I even worked in, I worked with fast-moving consumer goods in health and beauty and also in cleaning products as well. So I've had like a really vast background of different experience, um, even ranging from corporate closing at one point. So I worked my way up the ladder, really. I got into commercial world and worked my way up the commercial ladder and basically was um, director of many of multiple companies um, doing change development and we did acquisitions and I worked with a private equity company. So that was interesting and fascinating stuff to do. Um, but my heart was always within working with animals. And so I'd always had like a little tentative link with that working in pharmaceuticals and in pet care. Um, but kind of, you know, really what my heart was back into working with animals. And basically, the reason I got into dog training is because I got to a point in my life where I wasn't traveling across the world and across the country doing my job. And I was able to get a dog. And it was at that point I realized this huge gap in the market for dog trainers that trained positively. And um, through working with a dog trainer who was helping me train my dog, um, I then got into actually doing being a trainer myself and retrained whilst doing a full time time job um, and then obviously did my further training to become a behaviorist as well and probably the best thing I ever did despite all the hard work and tearing my hair out at the time <laughs> oh my gosh so give us a bit of a time frame on that then because I know I've been working with you for a couple of years but when was it that you um, started with you when, when did you get your first dog and when did you um, start doing your you know go and work with a trainer and then be inspired to do it yourself yes yeah, about 11 years ago um, so yeah so it was um, I worked um, I had the business and I worked full time for quite a lot of years yeah. um, because it's it's a huge thing, you know, when you're when you're actually quite a senior role within a business and you're taking a nice salary home every month, it's a big leap, you know, to go and do that on your own and decide that actually you're going to just give a, give away all that like security basically. So I had quite a few years where I was doing a bit of both, and then uh, I think it's been about eight years now since mm -hmm. I actually took plunge and just going okay this is it 100% my business um, and I'm going to focus on it so it's you know it's quite quite a risk that I took yeah. um they're doing that but definitely one that um at times I sometimes go oh my goodness I want my old life back but then mostly I just go actually I'm really pleased I've done what I've done <laughs> oh no I can imagine but you know I know I've known you for a while now but I didn't know that that you had that little bit of transition between your old corporate job and going full-time in the business and I think it's a really important thing for people to hear that because often we can we can look around and think oh people have just you know gone into the dog training world and they've got these great businesses it's just exploded for them and actually like I know when I did when you know with what I do now working with small businesses I did three years well, four years really where I was still doing journalism and each year I did less and less and less so I could build up to the new thing. But I think it's important for people to hear that these these businesses don't just magic themselves from nowhere overnight and often you do have to do it alongside your regular job as well, don't you, just to fund things and, and, and grow to the point where you can, you know, say goodbye to the old life and go, go in full time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was um, what I didn't realise was is actually how the industry um, actually, my view needs a bit more professionalism in it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I come from a very 
but it was a very professional background. You know, I was working with fast-moving consumer goods companies, dealing with Tesco's and all the high street multiples. And it was a very professional kind of setup. And so I wanted to apply kind of all these amazing kind of professionalisms that I'd learned working with multi-million pound companies. I mean, one of the companies that I was a director of was turning over a hundred million pounds. Yeah. And and I, I worked with, I know I worked in other companies, 50 million pounds, around 25 million pounds, uh, working with Marks and Spencers and so on. And I wanted to take those, those disciplines that I had and, and bring that into my dog training business. Now, to do that, you can't just, you know, you can't just hand your notice in, buy a few poles, or, you know, poles and cones and go and set up in a village hall. Yeah. Um, because in my view, that just wasn't, that wasn't, you could go and do that. Of course you can. But at the end of the day, I wanted to have a, a long-term business strategy so that I could strategize to grow um, that become my full-time job and also have provisions in place and be able to actually, you know, weather storms. We've had a lot of those lately yeah. and all that sort of thing. So that that really was why I had to do both at the same time um, because partly I had to set myself up to, you know, to really accommodate uh, you know for me in my first two years I was expecting to I was had to save a lot of money and I was fully expecting to have to use all those savings up to just see me through the shortfalls that my business would occur in the first you know two years luckily that didn't happen luckily we had capital which then allowed us to grow later on but you know those provisions have to be in place if you're serious about doing it you have to do it properly and you have to put those provisions in place in my view um it's just like you would if you were starting any business really you'd either go to the bank and you'd you'd be setting up and get and some loans etc or you put the money aside and you make sure you've got it there to, to run the business um properly really yeah so it's, yeah. I'm just chuckling as you're saying this because I remember when I first went freelance and I basically saved up like I think it was three months salary and then just went right I'm leaving I'm going freelance so I didn't do any of that proper stuff like you've just talked about there but I was in journalism so it's a bit different there isn't it um but tell us like listening to you talking about the stuff that you did in your old life um and the experience that you've got tell us what it was like going from you know basically you know being like you know somebody like we see on and I mean this in a nice way sorry someone we see on The Apprentice who's a real you know go-getter um to you know starting your own business and and starting something brand new because well you know when we're it's one thing working you know for me as a reporter on a newspaper it's one thing working on a newspaper but when I went on my own it's completely different and I guess you were in all these incredible roles in as a director and working in marketing and all these different things but what was it like when it came to um you know you doing it for yourself and doing it for your own business how was that for you it was I have to say it was amazing <laughs> it was absolutely amazing because obviously um actually you know a big part of being a dog trainer is you're a sales marketer and um I was taking this skill that I had developed and learned loads and really progressed through my career in and you know I was securing like multi-million pound contracts with John Lewis and stuff like that which was such a thrill I think you know you do get a bit of a personally I get a bit of a thrill from doing that sort of thing but I was doing that and I was like securing 200 pounds and 500 pounds and it felt just as good doing all of that as well and it was it was great from that point of view so um it just felt really good because um, I took all the skills I was like yes all these skills are transferable and applied them to something I truly loved and yeah I was just like wow this is living the dream this truly is you know um, I'm actually doing something I'm actually getting up in the morning and I'm not I'm not dreading going to a board meeting and explaining the next 12 month strategy my board meeting is me cup of coffee sat in front of my computer going right what is it I want to do <laughs> 
was like, this is brilliant. So I loved it. It was, it was, it was just the most exhilarating feeling ever. And then in the times when you, when the exhilaration went, you were like, but I'm responsible for all of this. You'd then panic because then you realised at the end of the month you weren't getting that paycheck anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I went between um, absolutely, you know, being absolutely on top of the world to then sheer panic at times. But that's just how it goes, isn't it, when you start up a new business and, and you know, you've got to be resilient to be able to yeah. manage and cope with that really and um, go through those highs and lows. But yeah, there was definitely more highs than was lows. And, you know, ultimately you are in control of your own destiny. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's about putting the time and the work in to make it happen, in my view. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so much that I could talk. I know, I know you know I could talk to you all day about this. Um, but yeah, just so so fascinating. And yeah, you're right about the roller coaster and you know how how buzzing you are. Um, and and that you you just can't be complacent, can you? And I I think that I think what you just said there about using transferring the skills will be really really encouraging for if anyone's listening and they're thinking actually you know I am maybe doing something as a little bit of a side project but I do have these skills from my old life or my current life and I can bring them in and they are going to work for me because sometimes we think we're starting at zero again with a new you know when we start a new business or completely change direction but actually you've got loads of things that you've you know you've had going on that you've learned over the years over the decades that can really serve you well haven't you definitely and you don't realize till you're doing it just how many skills are transferable yeah. and um also what you don't realize is, is how many skills you don't have as well when you <laughs> when you're running a bit when you're running your business and um you're all of a sudden an accountant a gardener um a purchasing manager <laughs> um, a, a cleaner um and everything else that goes alongside it you know a, tele- a telephonist <laughs> everything that goes alongside of it you then realize i've got these really big gaps to run this business too so then you have to go fill those gaps either with using outside people that actually know what they're doing or you end up you know you have to go and find out for yourself and work out how to do it yourself um because you know leaving those gaps is kind of non-negotiable um you know like <laughs> things one of the first things i ever did was get an accountant yeah because <laughs> like treat yourself <laughs> It was like it was. It was almost like you know you have to go to the car to the, to the garage and you have to spend money on repairing a car. And to me, that always feels like dead money. It did feel a bit like that. Sorry, accountants. <laughs> so I don't offend anyone. <laughs> but it did feel a bit like that with the accountant. But actually, do you know what? My goodness me, best thing I ever did. So anyone starting a business, go get yourself an accountant. Unless you're an accountant, go get go get yourself an accountant because um, seriously, you do need that when you're doing it. You need if you're going to do it properly, just just get somebody who knows what they're doing for the really important stuff. Um, you really don't want to get on the wrong side of HMRC. It's it's a headache you do not need. <laughs> so um, yeah, get an accountant. It's my first tip really for starting up a business. <laughs> oh, definitely. And the other thing is with with an accountant is I have this thing with what I do because I still do journalism. They you know they know what you can put through and what you can't. Yeah, and that's save you a lot of money and get you tax. I had one year where I got a new kitchen because I got an amazing tax rebate. So accountants are great go and treat yourself <laughs> absolutely can i have your accountant's number because my accountant has not provided me with a new kitchen so i'm definitely going to have to deal with that <laughs> yes you can you certainly can that's great okay so let's have a little bit of a like a little bit of a rewind then and tell us about um yeah tell us so when you were starting out i know like you're obviously you're really established now but tell us about like the kind of things that work for you when it came to marketing your business and what well actually not even when you were starting out like you know where you are now what kind of things have worked well for you when it comes to getting the word out there about what you do um i think being relevant to your client base is is the key thing um 
So in my previous jobs, one of the things that we had to do, um, if we were kind of selling to high street multiples or the big players, um, we just had to research what was required in the market. Because if I went to John Lewis and said, I've, I've created a widget um, and I don't know if there's any demand for it. You see it on The Apprentice, you know, where they come up with this stuff and there's just literally no demand for it. Like nobody wants it. It's just totally irrelevant <laughs> and nobody understands it. Um so you have to make sure that you're researching your market. And, and I think that's the, that's the key, really. It's, it's researching the market and staying pretty nimble as well and not making assumptions. Um, so marketing that's worked well for me is, is actually just making sure that you're, you are actually, you know, being relevant to your, to your market, to your, to your current market and also your, maybe your growth target market as well. Um, and maybe like even looking at where is there other opportunities as well. So where else can I grow into and, and how do I how do I achieve what I need to for that? Um you've really got to align that and you know it's really about what was what are people's needs and can I align to their needs because um one thing that that I've you know I've learned through through history through you know working with big brands um, I used to work for, for some big brands in different segments is as a big brand, you can go out and you can create a new market for yourself. Mm-hmm. And but that takes an awful lot of money and investment to do that. And um, in some ways, I've done that in a little way with dog training mm-hmm. in some of the areas that I've worked on. But it takes a lot of time and investment and money. Um, or you can go after a kind of a segment that's already populated with players and to just go and take a bigger slice of their pie basically so you can be aggressive in both ways and I actually think you need to be both as a business I think you need to be innovative and creating a new market wherever you can and, and being innovative you know coming up with new ideas um, but also I think there's an element of you always want to take a bigger slice of the pie and knock out your competition a bit as well so yeah it's a bit of both really. And just on a um yeah, it's, it's interesting this stuff because I think um, you know things like looking at looking at looking at what's around you, looking at your strengths and your weaknesses and the opportunities and all those things. Like when you first go into business and somebody, I mean, I've to be honest, I really like I know I can say this to you and obviously on the podcast as well. But you know, when I was a freelancer, all this business stuff, I didn't have a clue. I would just you know wait for the phone to ring and I'd pitch story ideas. And if somebody had said you know what's a smart goal or a SWOT analysis, I'd have been like like what are you talking about? Um, and I, like you know, obviously I know more now because I've gone and learned and and studied and developed and all those things. But sometimes, like, I think people shy away from these things because they think, oh, it sounds too corporate, or you know, I, I just want to do the the you know work with the animals and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. there's something like you know, looking at like doing something like a strength, weaknesses, opportunities, yeah. threats analysis. Yeah. That's actually really, it's just really kind of it's really helpful for one. Um, and it's also, we, it, it gives you a lot of confidence as well, doesn't it? But it also makes you feel like you're going, you know, you've got some direction in what you're doing and it doesn't have to be like big, scary, like the, being on The Apprentice overwhelming. It's just something quite simple that you can do and that anyone can go and do, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's where I started really with my business because I looked at, I, I had you know, obviously where I live geographically, um, there's areas around me. So if you sort of said I was in the middle of the clock, I was going, right, what's at 12 o'clock? What's at three o'clock? What's at six o'clock? What's at nine o'clock? And I did a, a SWOT analysis, you know, what, what are the what are the opportunities? What are the threats? Who's already in that area? Because um, it, it's madness as a, you know, as a brand new player into the, into the market. Um, it would be utter madness to go into um, a town, for example, where there's three really well-established dog trainers. When if 
to you know 10 miles to the left of you there's a town sat there empty where there's nobody doing anything and a a target market around there um because really when you're starting a business you want to go down the path of least resistance because number one it costs you less to do it you get established and then you grow from there um you know, if I'd have gone in and just gone and oh, I'm, go- I'm just going to be really bullshit and tackle the head on, that wouldn't have worked. I would not have grown quick enough to to sustain it. I'd have just spent an awful lot of money competing. Um, so yeah, so I think you know, getting into a bun fight with people is pointless. When actually, there is so many opportunities. You just need to you need to look further afield. You need to think outside of the box. There are gaps, you know, everywhere in the country. There are gaps for people, for products, for services. Um, go and find the gap, go and fill it, and then then refine it later is, is my advice. I wanted to ask you, because I know we were talking on social media about this yesterday, We because I'd done a post about niching, and I am very conscious at the moment that constantly people are telling people what they shouldn't shouldn't be doing and it wasn't about saying you should niche niche or you shouldn't niche it was more what are your thoughts on this but I know we have a lot of there's a lot of um you know a lot of talk isn't there about niching and you don't niche um, and you've got a very successful business um so yeah tell us about like tell us about that and 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 how you have grown a business which is not niche and the stuff that you do and how you've gone about that Oh, okay. That's a big wacky question, that one, isn't it? So, yeah. Stop the stop talking. Yeah. How did I do it? Okay. So, um, I actually made a conscious decision not to niche um, because um, I didn't want to. <laughs> um, when I, in my commercial background, um, we were, we had to be experts at multiple things. So, I knew it was possible to, to do that. Um, if, if you put the, t- I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's harder and it's more work. And it's a bit more of a long game. Um, but I know it's also possible. And also my desire was also to grow and bring skill and expertise into my business as well. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't all going to land on my shoulders, luckily. Um, but also, you know, I wanted to do more. I didn't want to just be like, um, I, you know, I, I love working with my Spaniels. Obviously, you know, I've got a million of them. Um, and I love working with German Shepherds. But I didn't want to just do that. I wanted to work with a variety because otherwise I would, for me personally, I'd get bored doing just one one sort of track because I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a grasshopper brain really in fact that I just I'm quite creative I like doing new stuff and I'm I'm always as you know jumping around from one thing to another um because that's what kind of makes me motivated and excited to get on to the next thing so I knew I wanted to do I knew I wanted to have for me it was about providing a kind of cradle to grave service really in the nicest possible way for dog owners because I felt dog owners were massively unsupported um you know vets provide a cradle to grave service you know they are there for when you've got your puppy to the point when you have your dog put to sleep and they're an important part of your dog's life or cat's life throughout basically so hopefully you know from a dog training point of view I knew that people need need their dogs to be trained throughout their entire life they might be taking on a rescue at five years old um they might love training and want to go somewhere with their dog to continue to train them they want that support um you know they you know with your vet if you've got a problem um with your dog even if you've not seen your vet for 12 months since the last vaccination the door is always feeling open isn't it so you can go back to your vet and ask another question and i felt with dog trainers it was very much a conveyor belt of six eight weeks see you later bye got your certificate off you go 
and I didn't really want to be like that. I wanted to, I wanted to offer a bigger service to to clients. And and you know, I, at the beginning, when money was tight, I really, really had a bit of a dilemma on my hands because I was like, well, how do I supplement my income whilst I get to where I want to get to? And I was thinking about being a dog walker. Um, I was thinking about doing dog boarding. I was thinking about all sorts of supplementary dog things that I could do alongside of it. And I took this really bold decision to say I'm only going to be a dog trainer and behaviorist mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to make that work. Um, so that was quite a tough one because I didn't want to be a jack, a jack of all trades in terms of um, like doing loads of different things. What I wanted to do was be a dog trainer that can provide a, a fulfilling full service to my yeah. clients. So it was a conscious strategy decision and there's rights and wrongs in everything really. And it's down to the individual to decide what is your strategy? What is it you really want to do? Um, but what I say to people is choose, decide what you really want to do, decide what your end goal is and then back chain it. If you're a trainer, you'll know what that means. <laughs> back chain it. So basically backfill it um, to work out um, how you get there really so and that's basically what I did with with that so I chose to be I chose to be a bit more all-encompassing rather than niche on, on mm-hmm. purpose because that's what I wanted to do that's where I felt strongly I could provide some support and service to customers and then I just worked out how I could do it um, I had a goal of all the things I wanted to throw into the mix and of course that's always changing because um, as my skills grow I can offer more um and you know I had goals in in my mind you know so things like one of the things when I first started on day one is I wanted to do gun dog training I hadn't done gun dog training on day one um but I made it my goal to make sure that I would learn gun dog training and I learned and I've been learning that from really iconic people within the industry and took made that made the time to do it basically so it made the time to actually go and do that training so I could, could provide that end goal service that I wanted to do so I think for me to answer your question as simply as I possibly can is basically that I would I'd decide what my end goals were and yeah. that's you know refine them so like 80% there 20% always always refining and then I'd work out how to backfill it and go and go into you know make sure I've got the skill to deliver the actual goods as it were so I think that's in essence how I did that how I how I grew the business to where it is today and then paint a picture for us about what your business looks like today in terms of how many um centers you operate from your your team um because I know it's 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 been quite a change hasn't there from it being Zoe to where you are now yeah uh yeah that was just before I got into that that step change is quite hard um if anybody who runs a business here you'll know that your business is your baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and um it's quite it is quite a step change really in terms of letting stuff go my goodness me it was like handing my firstborn over to somebody um so yeah so where my business sits today um we've got currently nine locations that we operate from and we are growing further we've got additional locations in the in the mix at the moment another two to three currently coming through um so that's all happening <laughs> so my little deaf dogs decided to have a little bark um, <laughs> so um that's definitely happening and then we've got um on top of that we've also got new trainers so basically over time I started to do some recruitment for trainers and um I found my fantastic head trainer who has kind of been the kind of pivotal point to then bringing in other trainers thereafter um but in total now we're a team of five trainers yeah. um and behaviorists and 
again, we have uh, apprentices coming through. So I've got, so one of the things I learned in the corporate world is we always need to be making sure that we've got um, succession planning in place, which we have, we've got that in place and we've got new new people coming through too as well. So I've got two more people, kind of apprentices um, coming through the, the ranks as well. And basically within the team itself, um, it's, it's a growing team and I'm giving them more and more responsibilities, particularly mm-hmm. in the behavioral um, in the sorry in the training business, um, giving them more business, you no know, more responsibility within the business and more ownership of the business as well, um, and it, it's brilliant. It works really really well, and we've got a really great strong team of people who I could not be more prouder of, to be honest. And um, and basically, yeah, I'm really happy with with the way that's all gone really. But it, it could have gone completely the other way if it hadn't been managed in a very slow process. So. Yeah, so that's kind of where we are with the, with the business, and you know we've we've got I've got two businesses, and one of them is training and one to ones, and one of them is and that's many classes and stuff like that, and then I've got my behavioural business, um, which is just it's I do online behaviour consultations, and that's nationwide, yeah. and that I split that out last year actually, and that's just exploded, that's gone crazy, so. Yeah, so it's absolutely gone crazy there, um, and that's and that's through word of mouth. You know mm-hmm. that behaviour business. I've got fifty followers on Facebook currently, and yeah, I I'm fully booked till June. So it, it's been amazing. Love that. So <laughs> I was just going to say to you, um, what kind of stuff do you do to ensure you know you've got a team of five trainers, two apprentices, and then you've got your behaviour business, which you just said is is fully booked for the like for most you know until the summer. What do you do to make sure that you've got that flow coming in? Because, you've, you know, it's not just you that you, and we'll talk about the animals in a moment, but it's not just your mouth to feed and your, all your animals, but you've got, you've, you've got a team as well. How do you keep, um, you know, how do you keep that momentum going and make sure that you've, you've got those inquiries and bookings coming through? Yeah. So it is, and now we're back to, I'm almost back to where I was in the corporate world. You know, we, we're forecasting. So we have to have sales forecasts in there. Um, so revenue forecasts, we have to have cash flow forecasts, um, expenditure forecasts. Um, so we, we, you know, we're planning 18 months in advance and, and forecasting our revenue. And like, like in any corporate kind of sales role, and those of you that have done that before will relate to this. You, everybody has to, every business has to set a target. They have to set a target of where they need to be. And because if you don't, how are you ever going to progress and get there? Um, and also you have to, like when you're, when you're operating a bigger business like I am now, you're going to put in set overheads. So I put in overheads for my website, for my marketing, for my Google, um, and all the rest of it that goes with, you know, Facebook advertising. I use external consultants to do certain things for me as well because I just don't have the time. And all of those are an overhead that need to be paid. So then the pressure really is on. It's not just about paying my bills and making sure I can feed myself. It's yeah. actually making sure that, number one, I have the, the the money sat there and the cash flow sat there to be able to um, actually keep the business going. And number two, it's making sure that obviously it's all coming through so that we can grow into the following month mm-hmm. so you know like every business there are months where it's tight yeah and we're perhaps sat there in the last week and we're going oh it's been the pattern has been different and we've been particularly susceptible to that since um lockdowns happened lockdowns seem to have changed a lot of buying patterns so how it was before lockdown is very different to how it is now and we're starting to get a bit more into a rhythm but it is different so yes. sometimes we're sat there at the last week of the month and we're going well we are a bit short we're not like if you sort of divide the number of days it's it's not really quite there 
And that may be because of events that are happening in the news. And I'm finding that as a massive impact, you know, change of prime ministers, fuel crisis for war in Ukraine, um, dog attacks, all those things have an impact to to my sales. Um, and, you know, they can affect people's mood. Um, how the press report stuff can affect people's mood and buying ability. Um, so, and then we have to go, okay, so we've got a fuel crisis today. Great. I remember the fuel crisis happened. We had no sales for seven days. That was unheard of. We'd never have that. Um, so I was sitting there going, what on earth has just happened? Not even thinking that a fuel crisis would be affecting a dog training business, but it, it truly did because, of course, everybody everybody that's an individual, a person, has basically, you know, is going to be sat there going, oh, I'm really worried about how I'm going to get to work. I'm really worried about how I'm going to get to the supermarket. Um I'm worried, worried about the cost of this stuff. So, of course, as soon as anybody that's a dog trainer behaviourist here knows this, the, the brain goes into fight or flight and panic mode. Um, they're not thinking about the stuff. Um, they're thinking about survival. So that can have an effect on even just a small dog training business. Um, so then we have to work really hard. We have to work really hard on being visible, being making awareness, helping people, you know, like our clients, our existing clients, making them see the value in what they're doing and the fact that they should need, you know, they should carry on. And also, you know, just helping people to feel a little bit just more secure and happy about things, you know. So, you know, they should come to dog training and that should be their their ability to escape the news and escape all the horrible things that they keep reading and seeing and yeah. just have some quality time, you know, because that that you know a lot of people perhaps haven't got lots of money to spend and, and actually dog training is quite a cheap um it is quite a cheap activity that people can do with their dogs um that gets them out the house and we train outside so they get them out in nature into fresh air um and it's actually quite a nice hobby so it's, it's not just a, a tick box it actually becomes a hobby for them so yeah so there's it, it's kind of you have to be quite reactive at times to yeah. certain things that are happening in the environment and uh, yeah i think we we kind of just try our best to adapt to that and literally if you said to me have I got a ready-made way of doing that no because every single situation is different <laughs> um, and how I react to it is very dependent on what's going on right in that moment in that second but I suppose my only strategy is 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 to be reactive is is to be there and not give up really um, because we can't give up we have to keep going <laughs> Yeah, Zoe, I'm with you and I'm nodding along as you're chatting to me now. And I know we, you know, we've worked together closely for the, for a couple of years now. And, you know, I know you very well and I know how much you care about your clients and how you, you know, how you constantly pick yourself up no matter what happens. You, you always do. But listening to what you've just said there, I think the really important thing I've taken away was showing people that you care and checking in with the current, your current clients, demonstrating the value of, of having your dog in your life and having, you know spending that time together doing your training and whatever you do and you I know you've also built a really good community around your um around best behavior and and you, you know yourself as well haven't you and I think those things really matter don't they yeah they do and I mean the community I mean just if you go back to lockdown our community was just oh just incredible honestly incredible um we you know I mean, I remember doing that last class before lockdown and feeling like the world was going to end. And I was like, am I going to see these people again? What's going to happen? And um, the day it obviously got announced, I was straight on to everybody. Com communication as well. Communication is really key when things are happening in businesses mm -hmm. and in the world communication is key um and you know I was communicating with people and they were so amazing and we built up this amazing little community we already had it before lockdown 
but about built up this a huge community during lockdown where we were doing like live sessions three times a week bringing them straight into my living room because that's all we could do mm-hmm. and um it was it was really lovely and the support you know the support from the people that come to our training is incredible like literally I could have cried it was just I'm not a very you know I'm normally like sort of quite straight down the line not really much of a crier but oh my god I was just like wow look at this this is this is this is really amazing like the loyalty and everything is really amazing and you know what that's one of the things that um you know happens with which I find with, with running businesses, you know, there's things you have to be really professional. You have to deliver a really good job to people. Um, but you also, um, if you do all that stuff, if you do all the professional stuff, um, you will also end up with um, a community that are also loyal back to you. And I really have got that in our businesses. You know, we've got people, one of my longest serving clients has been coming to me for nine years now. Um, you know, we've got people that they, they just want to be part of it. They just want to be part of what we do. And people come to us for years and they and sometimes they go away and they come back with their next dog and their next dog and their next dog. And that for me is what it's all about. It just makes makes the job so, so pleasurable um, to see those people come back again with their next dog or come back again with their old dog or, or whatever else. So, so yeah, so it's, it, it's really nice. It's, it's really nice having that community feel to everything. Yeah. And while you've described your business and it's big and you, you work really hard on everything, it has got that real kind of sense of family about it. And I know that you are like a big part of your business and your personal you know, your personal stuff is part of the business as well, which I, I know I said I'd ask you about this right at the beginning, but we've gone <laughs> up, we've, we've been talking about other things, but tell, tell us about your, um, your fam, your, your furry family. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like in, in Chateau Willingham. <laughs> it's mental. Um, yeah. You probably have heard a bit of it in the background, to be fair, because I'm sat in a it's room with very 20. Good. <laughs> I have, I, I've yeah. been sat. I've heard a bit from them. I've been sat in a room with twenty-three dogs that are ready, ready to go out for a walk. So, um, yeah. So they've been a little bit like, "Ready? Come on, Mum, are you ready?" I'm like, "No, guys, not yet, not yet, guys." <laughs> and uh, so, but yeah, I've got twenty-three dogs. So, um, all rescue dogs um, that I've taken on for various different reasons and all the rest of it. Um, and you know what? They've been like they've been my best teachers really when it comes to doing my business and training and helping my clients so I've got 23 dogs I've got 51 cats currently in my care and um, most of those are the unhomables problems um, you know expensive vet bills ongoing behavioral problems and things like that Um, I've got rabbits and guinea pigs and birds I just took on two more budgies this week um so yeah, I called them Keith and Orville, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hamster, tortoise, one-eyed tortoise called Betty, and yeah. So basically, I've got loads of. I just live in a normal house um, with a few extensions that were. But the extensions were there for my office, but that never happened. Um, that ended up being just an animal room. Um, but yeah, I'm just animal mad. I just love them. I love them being part of my life, and you know that's the reason why I work. I work so that I can kind of take in rescue support them and do my things that's what I really enjoy doing you know they they kind of are my hobby and my and everything really so it's almost like for me 
It's almost like I have three full-time jobs. Um, I have like two businesses which are basically full-time and I don't know how I manage to do it, but I somehow do. And then I've got this third job, which is my my rescues and my animals and looking after them. And, you know, it, I'm, I'm no stranger to hoovering at 2 a.m. in the morning and doing my, I normally do my housework between like midnight and 2 a.m. in the morning because all the animals go to sleep and it means I can wash the floors and do the hoovering and everything in peace and quiet. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm no stranger to a bit of, um, a bit like a hamster, really. I'm up all night. We're running around my wheel getting stuff done. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was going to say, like, what's a typical day in the life? Like, talk us through a typical day. Um, oh, yeah. Well, it, it kind of, it, well, quite often it's just very, it could be very sporadic. So I'm, you know, I'm getting up in the mornings, I'm doing all the feeding. Um, so I'm feeding and I'm clean and do like some basic cleaning. And then I'll see clients. And then in between, I'll be sticking washing on, maybe just doing a few litter trays, taking the dogs out, um, you know, dig, you know, covering up a hole that a dog's dug or something, you know, some, it's always something happening here. Um, and then I'll be do some more clients and then I'll perhaps we've got team meetings or I'll, I'll be you know talking to my team all day long as well yeah. on and off um talking to clients phone calls are coming in obviously on, on all the businesses um I've got obviously a lot of admin support with my team as well who help me with that so not everything is, is mine to, to have to deal with straight away yeah so in the evenings I might see a client or um or be doing paperwork or whatever um so yes yeah, so i've got a really supportive husband thank god who like he works full-time as well not here or not with animals and yeah. he comes home and basically he starts our kind of third job as well which is the the animal maintenance and cleaning and all that sort of stuff as well um so yeah so i try you know where i can i try to keep some space and some time and some boundaries um to be able to do that because um obviously the animals need they have to be done there is no negotiation over it it has to be done you know the cleaning has to be done um i have to keep the house meticulously clean it's like it's like a military exercise you know i'm i'm dusting hoovering mopping sweeping disinfecting um you know that in itself is like a job in itself but i i actually am very quite sad and i do love a bit of cleaning <laughs> so um lucky really with all these animals um so yeah i'm always like shining stuff up and cleaning stuff and things <laughs> like that so Yes, but that often takes me into, you know, that takes me really into the early hours of the morning. And, you know, I, I rarely eat a meal before midnight, rarely, um, because I just don't have the time. Um, because if it's a choice of take the dogs out for a walk or eat or, um, you know, spend time stroking a cat or eat, I just choose to do the animal bit first. And then I'd be like, at some point during the day, I'd be like, oh, I haven't eaten today. I must remember to do that. <laughs> and um, and then I'd get around to it at some point. But yeah, I'm just, I get so busy doing everything else and, you know, generally enjoying it, you know, actually loving doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, that I end up at some point eating at midnight and then doing the hoover in between midnight and two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's just absolutely love it. But no, it's fast, absolutely fascinating how you do the stuff that you do and have so many animals. Um, so tell us about the the kind of things that you do. Um, yeah, you do because you you obviously you're constantly changing, innovating, innovating, even responding to what's going on, um, and you know being relevant. What do you do to like what's your kind of core thing when it comes to promoting your business and, and getting eyes on what you do and communicating with the people who people in your area and also people online as well who might need your support? I know obviously you've got lots of stuff where you've really, you know, you've raised your profile, you've built your authority, but what would you say are your core activities when it comes to um, you know, putting yourself out there? 
Um, I would say um, networking um, with local businesses. Um, obviously, doing some stuff like I did with you, being in the press is really good for doing that. Um, I do some radio stuff. Um, it's really like there is no one thing. That's the thing these days. Yeah. Like years ago when I first started, I would say it was so much easier because there was just, you know, less time on social media. I put a couple of notices up in a, in a, in a shop and you're, you're off kind of thing. Leaflets for a door, you're off. Um, but it's not like that anymore. You have to be really multi-channeled, which is why you need the economy of scale to be able to afford to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have, you know, it's got to be all of the, all of the, the platforms, all of the social media platforms have to be looked after and managed and done properly and well because if you're half-hearted with social media that doesn't work either Mm -hmm. um so social media networking local businesses um being visible just through through lots of different media outlets as well um is really useful um building reputation so word of mouth is is massive for us when i look at our stats and look at um, amount of returning customers or have been told from another customer it's pretty huge i think it was around about kind of 30 to 40 percent of our business is returning or um or, or people that have been word of mouth from us um so yeah making sure you're present on google um making sure you've got a really good website that's your shop window that should be absolutely perfect um as much as it can be um making sure it's easy for customers to contact you and to to place orders and that kind of thing um yeah and, and also as well you know like because Oh, gosh, I don't know how many inquiries we get a day. We get an awful lot anyway, put it that way. Or lots of, you know, lots of people contacting us. And it's having systems in place to mm-hmm. to deal with all of that because otherwise you can just get completely overwhelmed and then you, you're not really helping yourself or all your customers that you're trying to help either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, um, when I know you've touched on this very briefly um, when, you know, talking about when things, you know, when, you know, you've got this, absolute juggernaut of a business that you've built which is brilliant but then sometimes like you said before when the when the fuel crisis happened like everything just skidded to a massive halt like what do you do when things like that happen and how do you stay resilient and keep you know keep going um well quite lucky (laughs) because obviously I'm part of um various kind of I've got people in the industry and groups but one of the things obviously part of your group as well Rachel and that actually did keep me very very sane during that complete week of panic where I was like what on earth is happening as is this it is this the end you know in in all those years in like 11 years I'd never seen it happen like that ever and I was like is this the end is this is this where it stops and it was kind of like chatting it through with people having a network of people around you that you can chat it through with and coming up with some ideas um you know whilst you're in that extreme panic coming up with some ideas of how you're going to kind of conquer it um, and having contingencies in place and I think that's key I think yeah. um, I've always had contingencies in place but they've been fairly loose you know up until the pandemic my contingencies were well you know if I do this that's fine I'll just you know support that with that and that with that and that all seemed quite fine but now I'd say my contingencies are a lot stronger um, you know I'm constantly working my contingency planning for me is a constant moving feast basically because Mm -hmm. the bigger the business gets the more contingencies you have to have in place and um, yeah we've got strong contingency plans in place for anything for example I've got a a written plan in place if we go into another pandemic god help we don't um, but I've got another one in place in in case we do Um, we used to see this is the thing that you know when the pandemic happened okay so being as a small business owner having to do everything um, 
you know, as a large business um, runner, a director, you would have contingency plans in place because you have to. Yeah. And as a small business person, you can sometimes let things like that go, I don't really need it today, so I'll leave it today. I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I won't bother doing that today. I'll worry about it when it happens kind of thing. But certainly since the pandemic, I've made sure that those bases are now covered with contingency plans and things because, and they have to be really strong valuable contingency plans because otherwise otherwise you are going to run into trouble particularly as you get a little bit bigger but I think it's a good discipline for all businesses to have you know have your have all your everything all your ducks in a row make sure your all your business and logistics staff is, is all in place really because without it you can certainly certainly come a cropper yeah yeah um and I think there's also I think there's the kind of emotional impact of you know, when one minute you get one minute things are going really well, and the next minute, oh my god, it's like what's happened? There's a pandemic, or there's a fuel crisis, or there's something. You know, there's a new prime minister, and everything gets thrown into disarray. And as you've said, having people around you who are going to who are going to be able to pick you up rather than just say, and you don't have to be on your own either, do you? Like, and I, and this is not me saying, oh, go and do a program or do this or do that. Like, you know, you, you're talking about being in, you know, free Facebook groups where people people are there and want to support you. And there's all kinds of ways you can get support, isn't there? I think the key thing I want people to take away from listening to this, and I know you've talked about some really kind of high level stuff here, but is that you don't have to be on your own. And that doesn't yeah. have to loads of money either. There's loads of support out there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. There is. And, you know, I think um I, I think the thing is with the thing about business is I think it's got to be a really it's got to be a really good balance because as a, as a business owner you are it can be quite a lonely job at times and it also as well you're kind of you get sort of stuck in your ideas when things are tough it can get quite tough for you on your own if you've got other people to speak to it does make it feel a bit easier and other people that understand other people that are business owners as well that also understand is is useful because mm-hmm. in the nicest possible way if I speak to my mum about it she'll go oh yeah it's okay it's fine um go and go and get yourself something nice for tea I'm like that's not going to solve the problem mum <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? So having having a different business, you know, other businesses to talk to, I think is useful and call on some of their experience as well. Um, but yeah, I think having having that around you is is good. But I think you've got to have a really strong idea of where you want to go with it, what you want to achieve in your business, and be really kind of don't be swayed on that. Yeah. But also have people around you that you can run a few ideas through, and you know, help you maybe come up with other ideas, other ways of doing things, because everyone's got, a, you know, everyone might be looking at the same thing, but they've got a different lens that they look at it through. And yeah. if you're open-minded enough to listen to that, you can really get some real gems of, of help and expertise in there as well, which can save you so much time um, and effort. So, yeah, it, it's. I think it's, it, you just got to be so open-minded and also have have people around you and support. But as you say, it doesn't have to cost a fortune. Yeah, you know, having people around you is, is good. Definitely. Okay, well, I'm conscious you have got 23 dogs, 51 cats, yeah. rabbits, guinea pigs, pigs, birds, hamsters, a one-eyed tortoise to look after. Um, but final question is, <laughs> what's next for you, Zoe? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, well, we're, um, I'm now developing another business currently at the moment. Um, so it's a little bit under wraps at the minute, but it's going to be, um, developing some, it's dogs again. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, um, it's, it's really being done because I, not for profit, really. <laughs> that sounds like a staff thing to say. As a business owner, I'm not doing it for profit. No, I'm not really. I'm kind of doing it because I just want a bit of fun. Um, so I'm going to be doing something that's going to be quite fun for me. Um, it's going to be focused around around dogs and training and um, specific um, a specific type of dog. 
um, which is really for fun and it's because I enjoy it and, and love it. Yeah. And then I think, you know, my, my, my goal is I'm going to continue to grow because you, you know, if you stand still, you die. That's always been my motto in business. If you stand still, you die. Um, you need to keep moving forward or you, or you just choose to have a lifestyle business. And, and I'm not, I'm not running a lifestyle business. I'm running, um, something that I want to grow because I want to do more for dog owners. I would, you know, I want to continue doing my own CPD, which I do loads of. I want my team to continue doing more CPD. I, you know, I just want us to continually improve and offer dog owners more and more. And and by growing, we're going to do that, and we can support ourselves by growing, and also by by being out, you know, by having enough um, kind of business that we can support ourselves and grow and develop our own skills as well. And hopefully, we're going to be able to relay that down to, to dog owners because, and ultimately, the one thing that I've never lost sight of, regardless of how big I've got and how many sites we've got is I came into this because I want to make a positive difference to dogs and their owners. And um, never forget that every single day that is in the forefront of my mind. When I get up in the morning um, and I'm like going, I've got to go and process that order. I've got to go and do that. I've got to do my accounts. Um, but primarily on the on the forefront of my mind, I've got all this horrible stuff to do, like accounts and things. But I, I'm doing it because I'm making a difference to dogs and their owners. And and that's ultimately my goal. And that's always in the back of my mind and forefront of my mind as to why I'm doing it. And sometimes you have a bit of a process to do it. <laughs> and some of the things you don't like doing, um, me, for, for me, it's accounts <laughs> and admin. Yeah. But um, but actually, it's don't lose sight of why you do why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And then find a way to deliver it better and, and more of it. <laughs> and that's that's kind of that's what's next for me is deliver it better and do more of it. <laughs> Brilliant. But do you know what? I love that because you've totally come full circle from where we started at the beginning of this chat, where you talked about your first dog. What was your first dog's name? Uh, Millie. Millie. So she's still oh. with us at the moment. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Bless her. Hi, Millie. What kind of dog is she? She's a Cavalier King Charles. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So it all started with Millie and you did you you went and did what you did because you wanted to be a better dog mum for her. And it's now you know you've had that impact and ripple effect on thousands of dog owners locally and and dogs obviously um and yeah and that is what drives you isn't that isn't it i know you talked about you know loads of amazing things that you've done and things that that you know are incredible but really it all boils down to the fact that you just want to give dogs a happy life help owners feel empowered and not upset by the way that they're supposed to be training the dog and that's the driver isn't it we've got all this big big stuff that sounds a bit scary but really it's just a simple um you know wish to want to make life better for dogs and for their for their families which is really lovely isn't it yeah absolutely I mean I take in a lot of rescue dogs a lot of problem dogs and you know I I I see the dogs when they're you know they they miss their previous owners you know they don't a lot of them don't you know I haven't asked to be put in that situation and a lot of owners you know don't want to give up their animals as well and they feel like they've got no choice and sometimes you know I had a really awful story where a lady was going to have a dog put to sleep she sat in a car park of a vet's you know and she phoned me at the last minute and she's her dog's living with her happily now they're they're perfect together and it's it's that is that's the reason that's the driver and mm-hmm. um, you know i take in rescue dogs i see that dog the other side and i want to stop owners having to go through heartache and dogs having to go through rehoming um because we can help you know we can make a difference mm-hmm. and we can we can change stuff we can change outcomes for that dog and that owner um and, and you know it's, okay Jen, sometimes people want to give up their dog something's changed and they want to give it up 
fine. But there are so many cases where they really don't want to give them up. And I, I want to just keep them together. And I know that sounds like really Disney, <laughs> but um, it's the truth. It, it's where we are. And, you know, I've worked with lots of um, rehoming centres and I've seen a very sad-sighted dog ownership. And I, I want people to you know enjoy dog ownership love dog ownership and keep dogs out of rescue centers and um and keep you know keep dogs and owners happy together so yeah that's my disney story <laughs> oh no i love a bit of disney though you know me and um, so that's you know that's what i think is really important really important message there about being about and i know you're very visible so i don't you know i'm not saying that you need to be visible at all but you know when if you are if you you know if you are in this world and you are having wobbles about being visible like it is those owners that Zoe's just been talking about that really need to see you and really need to know that you're there um so you you know they can get the help from you as an ethical pet professional it's something I know I bang on about it to you Zoe I'm working privately but um it's something I feel really passionately about so I'm gonna I am gonna let you go now tell us where we can find out more about you Zoe I will put all the links in the show notes but if you just tell us where we can find you and where you hang out on social media as well that'd be great yeah sure so um I'm under bestbehaviordogtraining.co.uk and Zoe Willingham dogbehaviorist.co.uk and uh, my social medias are exactly the same as the website so bestbehaviordogtraining and um Zoe Willingham dogbehaviorist and yeah so that's where I hang out hang out on Facebook Twitter and Instagram so you'll see me on there and um always contactable if anybody ever wants to drop me a line and say hello um, to be honest with you um it's always great to, to network with other um dog professionals or people even outside of the industry to be honest so yeah so um always always happy to have a chat with anybody um if anyone's thinking about starting up a business or you know anything like that really it's just good it's just good to meet and, and talk to other people so anything like that please do contact me Oh, thanks so much, Zoe. And that's very generous of you, particularly given how <laughs> how mentally busy you are and that you never sleep. So, <laughs> if you're not cleaning, then yeah, you're drinking wine and looking after the animals and running several businesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. I'll let you go, but it's been wonderful chatting. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.